Hi there, Charlie O'Shields here, back with another episode of Sketching Stuff. I love sketching animals, and I'm always surprised by some of the thoughts and ideas they inspire each time that I do. As ever, this isn't an episode specifically about animals, but about life itself and bits of inspiration that I've learned along the way. Thoughts that I hope will inspire you on your own creative journey. Though sure, the little kid in me would be totally excited if it were possible to hold a conversation with a giraffe or a penguin. That would just be so cool. What I do know is that sketching stuff is a wonderful habit to have. No matter what's happened that day, the moment I sit down to sketch is the best moment of all. And though I thought it would be an art journey all about learning new techniques, it's become one about learning new ideas and ways to keep a positive outlook on life. I like to imagine that animals know a thing or two about life and are just keeping those sage secrets from us. In my childlike heart, I'm quite certain that there's much we could discover if animals could talk. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. If Animals Could Talk While many of us talk for our pets, including myself, it would be interesting if one day they opened their mouths and actually started speaking. For this concept, I chose a large Bernice mountain dog bellying up to the table, about to demand the waiter or parent to bring his food. I would imagine this to be a bit terrifying at first, but after that, it would just be a wondrous and rather cool experience. That said, I'd have to wonder if I'd be thoroughly surprised by the voice that came out. Would it be anything like I imagined or something completely different? Either way, I'd love the chance to find out. Our dog Phineas, for example, sounds a bit like a spoiled kid with a popular Instagram account when we speak for him. But when he writes, as I did allow him to write a blog post once, he's much more dignified and slightly British. Were he to suddenly start speaking, I wonder where on the spectrum his voice would actually lie. If he did start talking, it would be extra startling because he's a barkless dog and is generally silent most of the time, save the sneezes of disapproval. And whether he's pawing at us or simply staring us down, he never really has a problem communicating. In many ways, it's as though a blend of imagination and charisma has already had the magical effect of making him talk. When I was a kid, I always wished that my pet hamster Sparky could have talked to me. For him, I imagined a low-pitched voice, unexpected for a hamster, and a very slow speech pattern like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh, without all the depressing angst. But it sadly never happened. I read an article somewhere that said treating our pets with human characteristics was a bad thing and that it can make us miss the reality of what the pet truly needs. I'm not sure I can comply with this entirely as the very act of anthropomorphizing our pets is also how we're able to empathize with them and not treat them like accessories in our lives, but part of the family. 
True, though, it's certainly important to empathize with the true nature of the pet as well. In the case of our Phineas, not only does he speak like a dog might, he's also rather dog-centric. For example, when we're watching a show with no dogs in it, he says, meh, it was okay, but there wasn't a single good actor. They probably couldn't afford it. If we'd like to experience the best form of entertainment television has to offer, Phineas insists it must be Paw Patrol due to its all-star cast. Philippe and I have only watched Paw Patrol once in French while visiting Paris, and to our knowledge, Phineas has never even seen it. But then again, we have no idea what he does with his day when we're at work. Yes, it's true that when it comes to our pets, we are very different animals. Honestly, I feel the same about various humans at times. In the end, it all just seems a lesson in empathy, that wondrous ability to understand and share the feelings of another living being. While there are certain humans I struggle to empathize with, I've always been able to empathize with animals. Animals seem to rarely do things that aren't immediately explainable, via some primal urge, genetic predisposition, or instinct. Humans, however, can do the most horrific things, and a host of psychologists are required to sort it all out, often failing in the end to truly understand why. And though we speak our own language, animals have theirs as well. We just don't comprehend it fully and assume that our own animal language is far superior. I have to think that dolphins probably feel the same way. Perhaps all types of animals imagine their own communication is the best one of all. Dolphins might be mimicking us in their own language, thinking how cute we are and our inability to speak correctly. But how touching are those offerings of fish to make amends for our shortcomings? We're a wild and diverse universe of living beings, and I think it would be a better world indeed, one filled with positive and constructive communication, if animals could talk. Looking back, once I found myself rushed for time and then had that moment where I thought I wouldn't be able to sketch something at all. I've faithfully shown up each and every day since the moment I started sketching, but that doesn't mean there aren't some days when I'm sort of wondering if I'll make it happen. But then I saw a photo of a little penguin looking back at something and it made me look back and remember all of the fun I had when I first began. Those days were all about the new and exciting thing called watercolor sketching that I discovered. I still remember barely being able to sleep because I was so thrilled to get up the next day and try out my new hobby. That was over four years ago now, so I should be a pro at this, right? Well, that's not really that much time in an art journey. I'm still just a kid learning each and every day, and I'm so happy for that. And when I remind myself of this, all of the stress falls away, and I happily get out my art supplies and just color. Suddenly, the time I thought I didn't have appears and becomes the very moment I needed to happen that day. What on earth could I possibly do that's this much fun? So yay for the sketching habit that just can't be stopped. It's made my life so much better and more rewarding in the process. 
Once while I was sketching, Philippe was watching a French documentary about fries. If you've not been reading along, it's important to note that one of his favorite shows is one that takes a single and common item and goes on a feverishly in-depth exploration. From carrots to cauliflower to pickles, nothing is off limits and surprisingly has a full hour of history to discover. I think it's really funny and it makes me stop and giggle. And then I stop and realize that while he's been doing that, I've just spent the last 45 minutes visually studying a single thing of my own. So I guess we're a pretty good match in the end. We both adore the chance to dive deep into something, especially the most mundane and common things imaginable. And indeed, my favorite subjects are always the ones that we can all recognize and appreciate. From bits of nature, to animals, to food, to memories of a childhood long ago, I just love sketching stuff. So many wonderful things have happened since I started writing and sketching, and it all started on a whim during a holiday weekend one summer. There are dreams we actively chase, and then there are dreams that actively chase us. They aren't something we even take seriously in the moment, but something our hearts latch onto, and so we just follow along to see what happens next. I love these dreams the most. The kind that my mind has already written off as silly and not worthy of a second thought while my heart screams, listen to me, I want this. That's the dream I'm still living today. It's the one that started Doodle Wash, the one that started the Sketching Stuff podcast, and the one that continues to evolve as I follow my heart and ignore my mind just a bit. I have to believe that this penguin sees something that I simply don't, something unexpected and wonderful that my rational mind would write off as a mere distraction. My inner child is my best friend, and I know he would never lead me astray. So yeah, I can seem a bit childish sometimes, as I'm always following a heart much younger than the laugh lines that betray my face. Little Charlie seems to think that the penguin knows best, and I have to agree with him. There's something magical to be found when you take the time to spend a few precious moments each day just looking back. That Shy Little Rabbit Once while Philippe and I were sitting on the terrace, we spotted some rather adorable little wildlife. That happened to be my prompt that day. A little rabbit appeared in the grass just below us and was soon joined by another one, a couple of meters behind it. The first rabbit was rather bold and began immediately hopping out across the drive between our houses in search of a new adventure. The second rabbit started to follow but then stopped and froze in the safety of the bushes. We were immediately entranced with this one as he poked its little head out every so often, looking up at us and then looking at the other rabbit. There seemed to be an expression of longing on his face. And then, all at once, it peered out to where the other rabbit had only just been, now long gone, and no doubt finding something amazing. After several minutes, the little rabbit made no progress at all. Philippe went inside to grab a carrot and threw it a meter ahead in the path the rabbit longed to go. And even the carrot wasn't enough to assuage its fears, and it eventually hopped off in the other direction. 
While I was watching this little creature, I felt myself cheering it on. Go, I was shouting in my head. You can do it. I'm now not entirely sure why, since I don't really know what the other rabbit was getting itself into, or if the path was indeed a good one. He was, after all, heading in the direction of more humans, but equally kind, so there was nothing to worry about there. And I've no idea if there was better food to be found in that direction for my noodle little friend. It was simply an uncharted path. In my head, I was merely responding to the fact that this little creature really wanted to take that path, but felt paralyzed to actually give it a go. It got me thinking about all of the times when I was one of those two rabbits. Sometimes I'll find myself darting ahead with no fear, and other times I'll stay safely behind while only wishing I had taken the risk. Being the latter rabbit always leaves me with more regret. Perhaps this is why I found myself urging this little rabbit along as I did. Sure, I've tried plenty of things in a moment of reckless and not quite thought out inspiration that failed miserably, but the act of trying still filled me with an incredible sense of accomplishment. On other occasions, when I just stayed in place and decided to do nothing new at all, I'm always left with a sense of emptiness, an admittedly odd feeling of losing something I never actually had in the first place. It's the strangest feeling of all and not one I enjoy repeating. So when I feel the urge to do something, I throw caution to the wind and try to give it a go. I never have to worry about whether or not I'll actually be successful because I've learned that the act of trying is the real measure of fulfillment. True regret can surface in many forms, but the strongest regret usually always comes in the things we didn't do. This always leaves room for so much more doubt of what might have happened next had we dared to take that path. A lot of pondering, to be sure, born out of a simple chance encounter with that shy little rabbit. Staring into the stars. When it came to a prompt of stars once, the first thing that came to mind was simply the act of staring up into the sky. So this little dog appeared to illustrate the moment. As a kid, and still today, if I'm outside on a summer's night, you'll find me looking up to explore the stars. Living in the city, we don't see very many stars in the sky. Just the big-name constellations appear as the city's lights continually compete with the celestial show. But when I visit my mother's house, which is in a very small town in northern Texas, I'll often stand outside for several minutes in the evening just staring into the sky. There's a world of stars that I never get to see, and it feels like I'm looking into a galaxy of light and possibility. Our universe is truly immense and immeasurable, and as much as we know, we are still learning new things each and every day. To me, this is fascinating. Staring into a sea of stars raises more questions than answers, and it's the very feeling that I adore. Could there be life elsewhere that mimics our own? Definitely. But we as a species like to only entertain that which is specifically known to exist and sometimes even question those facts. For me, I like to explore and imagine all types of possibilities. 
I've always loved science fiction books because of the strange and yet weirdly true alternate realities that they present. In the end, they are simply fiction, as nothing of the kind has actually happened yet, but the imagining is a rather interesting thing. Philippe and I often have nerdy conversations about life and the world as we chat in the evening. We're never interested in politics, as that's rather made up, mundane, and ridiculous thing indeed, but we are both keenly interested in the actual happenings in the world. Those far more natural occurrences actually taking place all around us. I think the natural world is the most inspiring thing in my life. It's the bit of life that gets me through all the ridiculous bits we humans can often introduce to it. And though I do worry about how we're treating our natural world, I still happily enjoy my place in it. My own place is just one of awe and respect for everything that makes a single day naturally happen. So many different subtle and amazing things have to occur to provide even a single day on this big little planet. For me, that's rather incredible to consider. Sometimes, just the simplest of actions can produce something rather awesome. I often find myself worrying over a new idea and wondering if it's new enough to be worthy, and then find myself wondering what new even means anymore in our culture. We've lived through so many new inventions and new technologies that we are mostly less impressed these days. It's less about finding the new and more about finding the same, but somehow different in a way that inexplicably excites people. The very moment anyone has an idea, that idea is transmitted around the world and copycats show up in abundance, often without even understanding the original idea in the first place. So they produce rather awkward copies. Though it's indeed an odd world we currently live in, I still think it's a beautiful one. I've no idea where it's all going to go, but I know that I'll just keep moving along, one sketch at a time, still seeking to find my place in all of it. And the moment I find myself a bit confused or wondering about things, I'll take that little moment in the evening to consider a much bigger picture that can only be found when staring into the stars. Sky Thinking For a prompt of Blue Sky once, my mind first went to the idea of Blue Sky Thinking, that wonderful, often crazy way of creating ideas without the silly constraints of practical thoughts. How we ended up with a giraffe to illustrate this is anyone's guess, but that's where I landed, as I simply love sketching giraffes. As a kid, I would employ Blue Sky Thinking without even thinking about it. For kids, it's perfectly natural to chase thoughts and ideas that seem a little nutty as they've not yet had enough experience with failure to have any real fears. Though we should learn from our mistakes, we shouldn't be afraid to try anything again and again and again if necessary until we get it right. That's my entire approach to daily sketching and life in general. I don't worry over the mistakes I make and instead simply love the chance to show up and make some new ones. It's why in the Doodle Wash Manifesto, I encourage people by telling them to do try the hard stuff before you think you're ready. There's no specific time in an art journey or indeed a life's journey when we're truly ready to try something new. 
we just have to muster up all of the optimism we can and take that exciting leap into the clear blue sky. In truth, I take blue sky thinking a bit far at times. I nearly always leap before I look and launch into new ideas for projects without considering any of the practicalities that are lurking there. Sometimes I find myself at a dead end and have to backtrack a bit and chase down another path. The thing is, I find this approach really joyful and fun. It should probably stress me out not having that ironclad plan, but instead it always makes it more enjoyable. You can't really fail at something that doesn't have a strict plan. That said, in truth, there's no measure for success either. I just have a little internal happy meter that I follow. If I find myself extremely happy about doing something and pleased with the result, I've won. No idea what I've actually won, of course, other than that glowing feeling of accomplishment. I made something happen, something new, and that's all I ever intended to do in the first place. What I've discovered is that I end up accomplishing more things this way. If I tried to plan everything out in advance, I doubt I would have been able to make all of the things happen that I have so far. When I was starting my career as a creative director, there were many books on creativity and business that I read because I had no clue what I was doing. While there were lots of great ideas, many of them tried to create a checklist or step-by-step approach. My mind shut off as I just don't function in this way. What I learned about myself during that time is that I had to play to my own strengths. And one would think I'd simply invent my own method to overcome this, but that's when the reality struck me. I don't use a method, only a mindset. I will often find myself doing things in a completely different way each time I try something. It just depends on my mood. But following my feelings, I always manage to end up with something new at least, and it always seems like something only I might do in the end. That's the beauty of our own unique styles. Mine isn't born out of my process, but simply out of my heart. I like it better that way. It's the most genuine version of me that I could ever hope to share with all of you. And it makes my world of chasing ideas so much fun. I can't think of a better day than one spent with a little bit of blue sky thinking. Looking into the future. For a prompt of black and white once, I opted for a tiny little panda. Well, at least it's tiny for a panda, but still much larger than my dog Phineas. Pandas are the cutest little creatures, but rather tough to sketch. My blacks, as ever, are made up of several colors that qualify as darks when mixed, at least, and my whites are created mostly from this contrast. I've honestly no idea what a baby panda thinks when it looks out onto some new and uncharted territory, though I'm rather curious as to what might be going on in this little panda's mind. With the way I approach life, I find myself in new and uncharted territory most of the time. I think I must have the same slightly startled but not at all scared expression of this little panda. It's a vista that's more fascinating than anything else. Sure, whenever you attempt something new, there's a potential for getting it wrong. But in the moment of creating it, there's nothing but the sheer exuberance of possibility. I tend to live in this place all of the time. I peer into the future and see glimpses of what I'd like to happen next, but it's often a bit vague and unclear. 
Then I remember that there's one moment I can always navigate easily. It's this moment, the very one I'm in right now, this blissful moment where if nothing else, I can make just one new thing happen. As I continue to sketch stuff each and every day, I'm always thrilled by the experience, though I must share that some days, like this day, I was so insanely busy that I thought I might not show up at all. This has happened to me every month, if not week, since I started sketching and painting daily. It nearly feels like I'm trying to do the impossible by showing up to sketch and post each day. I'm tired. I don't feel like I'm in the mood. I'm distracted by a million other things. I can't even remember why I started doing this in the first place. Having been through this silly ritual now for almost four years, I can just laugh it off and giggle at myself during these moments. Or truer yet, my inner child laughs at the ludicrous idea that anything at all could be more important than creating something new. It's a gift we all have to create new things and one that I constantly encourage. There's a dual reason for this. When we create something new in our sketchbooks, it makes us thoroughly happy, or at least it should at all times. Yet when we create something and share it with the world, it then has the potential for making others happy as well. Even if one person loves what I make each day, I'm thrilled. I made my own humble difference in that one person's life. So you see, the reason you find me showing up with new posts each and every day is not because I think thousands might want to see it or hear it in this podcast. It's because I know in my heart that at least one person will feel like it's the very thing they needed to hear that day. And that's the most I can ever hope for in this journey. Think about it. If you can make one person smile, isn't that worth showing up to sketch and color each day? Whether it's one like or one comment, you made another person happy and enthusiastic enough to share the happiness with you. That's the true beauty of our internet world. It has a lot of quirks and crazy things to offer that make no sense at all, but in spite of that, it can still manage to connect us to each other. You found me and I found you, and I feel so incredibly lucky knowing that. I'm just a guy who likes sketching stuff and rambles on about things that come to mind in the very moment he posts them while continuing to adore watercolor. So it really thrills me that you dropped by to listen today. Even though I have absolutely no idea what I might create tomorrow, much like this little panda, I optimistically find myself once again looking into the future. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories.